0: Shalom, shalom, and thank you for joining us for Sermon 3 on the Book of Leviticus with Messianic leader Jacques Isaac Gabizon. Today we're going to hear about Yeshua our Kapara. Now, if you're in Israel and speaking modern Hebrew, you might say that someone is your Kapara. What you're saying is that they are your sweetheart. It is an expression of affection, of endearment, using the idea from Scripture as if they are saying that their sweetheart's love acts like a covering, like a protection for them. But whichever way you pronounce this word, Yeshua is not only the kapara, the covering. He is not only the one who protects us both from the outside and from the inside. He is the one who goes further than any kapara the Jews or anyone has ever known. Because he doesn't just cover He cleanses us entirely for He is our reconciliation. He has changed us from enemy to friend and now we have the responsibility to be that kapara, that sweetheart, that good friend to those who don't know the Messiah and to share what kind of a friend He is to us. Do you hear, O Israel? Has this news awakened your hopes, answered your questions, alleviated your fears? O Israel, with Messiah, there is incredible change. He will take the iron and give you silver. He will take the brass and give you gold. He will change you from the tail and make you the head. Just hear, O Israel, Shema Yisrael, for the truth shall set you and anyone who listens and believes free. Be blessed as you listen into today's sermon with Messianic leader Jacques Isaac Gabizon and Shalom,
1: Shalom. Again, Shalom, and one more time, welcome to Bet Ariel Congregation. It's always a blessing, and it's pleasant, really, as David said, for brethren to dwell together in unity. So it is my prayer that we will all be blessed by the presence of the Holy Spirit and by His Word. Uh, We're getting closer to the Fall Feasts of Israel, beginning with Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah or the Feast of Trumpet on the 4th of September, followed the week after by Yom Kippur and then Sukkot. So, the Feast of Israel mark a time in the year where we may pause and reflect on all that the Lord has done for us in our lives and all that He has prepared for us in the future, that is, the eternal future. And to mark the occasion this year, we will have a tfilah, that is, a baptism on the first of the Feast of Israel. If you have not been immersed, come and see me after the service. These events are always great moment of joy and of testimony to everyone. Now, don't you have the impression that there are so many things happening in our world at once? You know, forest fires in Greece, in California, in other places, so big that they decimate small cities and threaten big ones. Then we hear again of nations keeping amassing, they're amassing weapons of mass destruction, and they proudly actually declare it. They are and always coming up with new and novel ideas of how to kill men, this is what it is, instead of spending money for the poor and so on. They seem ready for the final war as we read them described in the book of Revelation. You know, this week, for instance, the Israeli defense minister said that Iran is only 10 weeks from a breakout to a nuclear weapon. Once it gets it, it probably would want to use it against Israel, as it often promises to do. You must also have heard of Ben & Jerry Ice Cream. This company picked on Israel and meddled into its affairs by deciding not to sell ice cream to what it calls the occupied territories in Israel. But they will, however, keep on selling their ice cream to other parts of the world where human rights violations are flagrants. What makes this case special is that this company was created by Jews, Ben Cohen and Jerry Greenfield, who are now not involved in the commercial aspect of the company, but they are actually heading its anti-Israel movement. Here we see Jews against Jews. Nothing new, by the way. But this is only the tip of the ice cream cone. We're still at the beginning of a wave of anti-Semitism that will slowly rise in the future as the prophets, many of them in the New and Old Testament, have predicted. However, on the other hand, we see other news, good ones, where it seems that God is always working hard to call everyone to come to him before the end. For instance, these past days, there has been some significant archeological findings in Israel, which not only confirm that Israel is a Jewish land, having hosted the Jewish nation's history, but more than that, these findings give support to the truth of the Bible. A few days ago, archeologists unearthed the first Jerusalem evidence of a major earthquake relating to the Bible's book of Amos. The first verse of the book of Amos, written 2750 years ago, mentions the earthquake which deeply affected the people. This earthquake must have been so major that it was again mentioned by Zachariah, the prophet, some 250 years later. It was used as a historical reference point. So as the world is moving away from biblical precepts and deeper into the end times, these findings cry out to them to come and seek salvation in this powerful book, which is true, through, and through. And there's another archaeological findings. And we can see a message there as well. They have found small pig bones in the city of David, dating from the time of Isaiah, who was a contemporary of Amos. What were pigs doing in Jerusalem? For this is an animal forbidden to Jews in the Mosaic law. But it is in the book of Isaiah where God complained and two times over that the people were eating swine's flesh and transgressing the law. And as a consequence, Jerusalem was destroyed. I guess they found the pigs, right? These two findings are among the many signs that are surfacing today. But they are Positive ones which give us strong credence to the scriptures and encourage the people to read the book of God, for in it lies his word for every single human being. Now, before we begin to look into this great book of Leviticus, which will show us today how God is so concerned for the salvation of this world, it is our tradition again to bless the children before the Berachot Habanim. So, if you have your children with you, bring them closer to you put your hands upon them like Jesus did and let us pray. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, blessed be his name, whose glorious kingdom is coming and is forever and ever. Heavenly Father, we ask for your strong arms of protection to be around our children that they may be held safely within your love, especially during these times where so many in the media especially are calling good what you despise and are even encouraging the youth to partake in their ways. Protect our children Lord, and fill their hearts with your presence, fill their days and nights with hope and joy, fill their minds with your truth and light. All this we in the name of Yeshua Mashiach, amen and amen so let us open our bibles to the book of leviticus you can also follow through the powerpoint slides as most of the verses are going to be listed we are in our third study of this book and we're still in the early verses of this chapter however these opening verses contain information which is applicable to all other sacrifices especially those that we'll find in the first seven chapters And the more we dig in, the more we see that Leviticus is like a hub of biblical doctrine and especially the one pertaining to salvation. The salvation of man, something that the Lord has so much at heart. It is perhaps why in this book, he is the one who speaks in every page and so directly to each one. It's like a heart to heart conversation between a father and his child. And it is at this point in the text where we encounter a word which englobes this major and so important teaching of the Bible about salvation. Let us begin by reading verse 4, just one verse for now. This is after a person brings his offering, his animal to the tabernacle of God. And we read, and he shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering that he may be accepted for him to make atonement on his behalf. And so before the person slaughters the animal, he lays not only his hand, but as the Hebrew word suggests, his full weight on the head of the animal as a symbol of transferring his sins to the animal. It is then that he makes a prayer of confession. Tradition tells us that while he confesses his sins he would raise the other hand toward the altar of sacrifice especially toward the horns of the altars the four horns of the altars were horns of protection anyone accused could go and find shelter in god by holding on a horn this gesture enhances the confession and the prayer for the transfer of the sin of man unto the offering and it is now that we come to this major word for salvation it is found in the word atonement this is the second major word the first one is the word offering korban found also in the same verse meaning coming close and now atonement meaning protection which will make the approach possible the Hebrew word for atonement is kapar Kapar, which means a covering, a protection from where we get the other words like Kaporet, which is the lid over the Ark of the Covenant. Or Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, one of the seven feasts of Israel. The English word actually is very relevant. Atonement comes from the words, three words, at-one-ment. At one To atone is to be at one, meaning that the individual are one in their agreement. And here the individuals are men and God are one because of the sacrifice that is offered. And of course, this is a symbol of the final sacrifice that was carried out by the Messiah, who unites us with our creator and with whom we are now atoned at one with him so while the english word atonement is new in the books of the law the hebrew word is not and looking back where it was first mentioned will clarify and enhance the power and the works of salvation we remember the law of first mention in the scriptures which says that the first time a subject is mentioned the subject remains unchanged throughout the scriptures it works very well with kapar with atonement let me bring you to the first mention of this word we're again brought back to noah noah with whom we already found two words found words in leviticus which were first mentioned with him the burnt offering and the words soothing aroma which represents the confession and prayer which are soothing nehoah that is to the lord okay that is where the word noah comes let's read genesis 6:14. this is when the lord asked noah to build an ark which was to protect him and his family from the judgment that will be fall on the whole world. This is what he tells them. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. Why do you think the word atonement, kapar, is found in this verse? The last word. The word pitch. It's interesting that we're not told what substance this pitch is made of. Some speak of a sort of asphalt or some bituminous substance. But if we are not told exactly what it is, it is perhaps so that we concentrate on what it typifies. What was the function of this pitch? It was applied to protect the ark from the judgment of the flood. Like the blood of the animal was, to, was going to protect the individual from the judgment of sin. The word is the same, but it goes further. The application of the pitch is like the effect of our faith in Jesus, in Yeshua. When one believes, he is completely covered. And notice how the Lord asked Noah to apply it inside and out. Just like the effect of our salvation, we are in God completely covered inside and outside and in every facet of our lives, present and future. A believer is never the subject of these arrows that fly by night, which fall randomly. They will never fall aimlessly on the one who has entrusted his or her life to Yeshua. We have his speech inside and outside forever. Now, there's another place in Genesis where we find this word mentioned before it's used in the law as the word atonement. It is actually with Moses. Moses himself When he was a baby boy. This is when actually Pharaoh of the time, you can see this in the beginning of the book of Exodus. The Pharaoh of the time decided to kill all the Jews' male child, for he was afraid that the Jews will eventually take over the kingdom because, and listen to this, it's because they were Semite. Before this time, Egypt was invaded by a people called the Hyksos who were Semite, and so. When they saw that the Jews were multiplying, they were afraid that they would take over. This, by the way, becomes the first act of anti-Semitism organized by a nation, even before the Jews became themselves a nation. So there is nothing new under the sun, we know that. But it is all related actually to the coming of the Messiah. All this act of anti-Semitism then... And now, our attempts to stop the coming of the Messiah. So, while the Egyptians kill all baby boys, as the book of Exodus tells us, tradition tells us that the parents restrained from having children. However, Yochebed, Moses' mother, fell pregnant with Moses, and they believe it was a miracle, very similar to the miracle of the virgin birth with the Messiah. But what is the connection with the pitch here? After Moses was born, knowing that he would surely be killed, Jochebed put him in a basket and put it on the water of the Niles with the hope that some Egyptian will find it and take care of the baby. But now, see how it is written. Look at Exodus chapter 2 verse 3. But when she could no longer hide him, that is Moses, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dubbed it with asphalt and pitch but the child put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank two words links this story with that of noah first the word basket is the same word as the word ark which is the hebrew word teba and see that this word is only mentioned in these two stories that of noah and moses enough for the reader's attention to be pulled to be brought to make a connection the second word pitch the basket that was covered with kapar pitch a word which came to mean atonement do you see here the illustration that we have what then is the relation between noah and moses through noah god saved humanity from judgment we all descend from noah through moses god saved humanity through israel and through whom yeshua came so we have a brief history of salvation from Noah to Moses, to Yeshua, to you, to you. In these three instances, we have the hand of God in the protection of the individual as He applied the pitch, that is the atonement. Noah and his family survived because Noah obeyed God and applied the pitch. Yochebet also acted by faith, as she is mentioned in the whole fame of the people of faith in Hebrews 11. Moses also is mentioned in Hebrews 11 by faith actually he left Egypt and did everything he did see how faith is connected with atonement and today this speech or atonement is applied to the one who by faith comes to God and obeys the Lord and confesses his sin and accepts the final sacrifice who is Yeshua this is when the Lord will then cover us with all his love and all his care this then is how far leviticus brings us to appreciate all that yeshua did and is doing for us now where do we find this word in atonement in the new testament you know while some bible translation have used it for some greek words this word actually is nowhere to be found in the new testament but let me tell you why The Hebrew word atonement, kapar, means to cover. But this covering was temporary for the blood of the animals cannot save, but only cover. However, when Yeshua came, sin is much more than covered. It is taken away. Taken away. And they are always in the process. They are always in the process of being cleansed, those who have it, as the Spirit of God dwells in them let me just bring you to that verse of first john 1 7 which says, the blood of yeshua his son cleanses us continually does so from all sin cleanse catarizo. i love this word it sounds categoric it means to purify to cleanse to purge something that animal sacrifices could not do and that by the way is the argument of the book of hebrews It may not always look like this in the believers But this is how God looks at us through Yeshua freed from defilement of sin and From fault for this is how we will be at the end This is great news by the way today and there is one word in the New Testament by the way that replaces atonement Do you know which one it is? Reconciliation a word taken from classical Greek and given a complete new meaning in The scriptures see Roman 5 11 where Paul says and not only this But we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received the reconciliation This by the way is new we have now received the reconciliation which in Greek is the word Katalegen, which from comes from the word "alotso," meaning to change, to evolve, for such is the love of a believer always changing and improving spiritually. In secular Greek, this word reconciliation was used for an exchange of money or merchandise. But in the Bible, it has been given a new meaning, demonstrating the new relationship God and man has now because of the death and the resurrection of the final sacrifice, which is Yeshua. So it is from atonement to reconciliation, like the title of this sermon is from atonement to friendship, friendship with God. The point is that the blood of the animal could never remove sin. It only covered it so that fellowship could be maintained between God and man. However, when Messiah came, he removed sin forever and the way to friendship is opened. Furthermore, this is truly beautiful, by the way. Following the path of the word reconciliation in the New Testament, we can learn a lot about the history of salvation itself. The word is used four times only, twice describing the results of the work of Yeshua, Romans 5 and 2 Corinthians 5. The two other times when this word is used is directly linked first to Israel and second to ourselves. Let me bring you first where it is related to Israel in Romans eleven fifteen. This is what Paul says. For in their rejection is the reconciliation of the world what will then be their acceptance but life from the dead this is a heavy verse by the way while israel rejected the messiah and endured such a difficult history and still is yet they were the link between the atonement and reconciliation as yeshua said to the samaritan woman salvation is of the jews now considering their current situation what paul is asking us to imagine is the time when israel will be saved It will be so great, like the resurrection, a resurrection from the dead, he says. Israel has not said her last words, of course. Now, the second time this word is mentioned in the New Testament regards the believers. This is where I encounter a very powerful and practical verse for today's believers, which brings all the sacrifices of Leviticus at our doorstep. What do we do with all this? Listen to what is written in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. God was in Messiah reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. What we are told here is that the work and ministry of reconciliation, of the kapara, of the atonement, this great work has not been given to us to exercise i'm not sure how to understand this except to see the weight of this verse on every believer such a high calling goes beyond proclaiming the good news about yeshua but demands that we leave the message to the fullest we are asked to follow jesus path here who is the priest and the sacrifice believers today are the priest in that we are the link between god and man While no man or woman could ever give their lives for another as Yeshua did, there is yet a sense where every believer is called to sacrifice when need be and for the sake of the salvation of others, to sacrifice himself. Did you ever realize how demanding it is to believe in Yeshua? It's much easier outside. What does it mean to sacrifice for another? It can be done in many ways, but let me give you one great example in the life of Paul, who said in first Corinthians nine twenty two, to the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak, that is. I have become all things to all men so that I may be by all means save some, maybe one person. That is a great example of sacrifice. He was like the Savior. He was not offensive, but always looking, always giving, always willing to play the second fiddle, to suppress his own desire for the sake of reconciliation, for the sake of maybe saving one person. This is one way to become or to be close to fulfilling the work of the kapara. Change our lives, our behavior, our words, that we may by all means save some. This is the ministry of reconciliation that has been put on us. Now, see how Leviticus projects us to so many parts of the scriptures, for it speaks of this important doctrine of salvation for all humanity and everyone, that is. And there is yet another place in the Bible where this word atonement, kapar, brings us to see the complete work of the messiah we have seen the first mention of the hebrew word with noah's ark but when was the last time it was used in the hebrew scriptures let me bring you to this place where the symbolism is completed before actually we meet the messiah from this place on it is in daniel nine twenty-four, where he clearly speaks of the death and the salvation we have in yeshua At the beginning of chapter 9, we find ourselves at the end of the 70-year dispersion, 70 years after the destruction of the first temple. Then Daniel thought, and rightly so, that the Jews would return to their land. And then the Messiah would come, the Messiah whom he knows because he mentions him. And believing this, Daniel began to pray and to confess Israel's sins. He does that through a most powerful prayer you can find in the book of Daniel chapter 9 verses 4 to 19. But it was not yet the time of the return. This is when the angel Gabriel came to declare to him a new prophecy. Covering his time up to the first coming of Yeshua Up and then to the second coming of Yeshua this is how he began this prophecy as he lists all the works of the Messiah that he did
0: and will do at the end Shalom Ariel is a daily radio program emphasizing the Jewish perspective of scripture God is not through dealing with Israel nor will he renege any of the promises he has made to her our teacher for this program, Jacques-Isaac Gabizon, is a Messianic Jewish believer and Messianic leader at Beth Ariel Congregation right here in Montreal. If you've been encouraged by the messages, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at one 685 5902 or you may write us at info at Beth Ariel, B E T H a-r-i-e-l all one word.ca. you are also welcome to join us for our Saturday morning services we are located at 6297 Monkland Boulevard corner of Madison in NDG the message is given in English but we do offer simultaneous translation into French and Russian services begin at 11 a.m. we have Shabbat school for children of all ages up to and including teens You may also download audio messages from our website at bethariel.ca and enjoy other in-depth teaching from Jacques Isaac. If you would like to sign up for informative newsletters, log on to our website and add your name to our email list. Shalom Ariel is a listener-supported program. If you have it on your heart to donate, it will be a great blessing for the continuing ministry and outreach of Beth Ariel. Thank you and Shalom Shalom.